life does not always go as planned. You may be on plan B, C, D, E, F, or G, and that's okay. Life can be beautiful and messy. It doesn't have to be perfect. After crying on my kitchen floor for nearly two years, when my first husband left, I found my plan B and a depth of resilience I didn't even know I had. I'm Beth Pass, life coach. Have you ever needed to really reinvent yourself? I redesigned my life by allowing my feelings, forgiving and accepting myself in the new reality, really surrendering, plus connecting with others. We don't have to do it alone. Reframing our negative thoughts and emotions and by not looking too far down the road. Now I have an incurable joy and zest for life. My favorite hashtag is what if it's better? (laughs) If you're looking for motivation and inspiration with other resilient, fun, successful midlife women, keep listening to the Pain to Power podcast. You'll meet amazing women who dropped being the victim and found victory. Listen in to create a spark in you to navigate this wild ride called life that comes with living full out. Hello, Pain to Power podcast, and thank you, Alice Murray, for being here today. Oh, yes, I'm honored. Well, let me tell you who we get to interview today. Alice Murray, I oversee the care ministries of St. Mark's for all ages, life stages, and needs. I have a heart for connecting with people. Oh, you guys, this is why I'm interviewing her. (laughs) And to come alongside them in seasons of both need and celebration. It's kind of like all of life, right? Mm -hmm. Previously, Alice was on the family ministry team and loves to partner with parents to disciple their children on their faith journey. It is also a joy to also serve as as a pastoral intern. I was a teacher for 18 years and loved to learn. I married my high school sweetheart, Eric, 24 years ago. We have two amazing kids. Noah just turned 19 and will be attending Iowa State University this fall. And Avery will be 16 soon and a sophomore in high school. So Alice, I love that you and I met, oh, I have no idea, 20 years ago, probably. Yeah, at least. In that scrapbooking industry world that, you know, I got to meet so many great people that loved their families and loved memories and loved celebrating those. So that's how we first met and we've stayed connected. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how God brings people together at certain times and then it resurfaces later into a different kind of need for a relationship. And it's all around a story, like a shared story. Yeah. Yeah. What I noticed being your Facebook friend is that you care for people. You're a natural encourager. And even though you have gone through, I'm guessing way more pain than just the one we're going to talk about today, which is Mm -hmm. physical pain. You have risen and continue to keep going through your, I call the messy of life and the the pain and the hurt. And you're not only handling yours, you hold others. And that is what is inspiring to me. And I know will inspire our 
Yes. So share a little bit about your back injury and your re-injury, this physical pain, because I've interviewed a lot of people and we usually don't talk about physical pain. We're talking about some other kind of stuff. So thank you for being willing to share. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I started by praying myself up this morning because this is a story I've I've shared quite a few times, but to do it from start to finish, I'm going to be real and authentic. So there might be some emotion involved in that because it really has made me who I am today. And I'm so thankful for it. And even though it's a pain that I will have for the rest of my life, I would do it all over again. And I think that's the power of how God loves us is that he never wastes any of the horrible things we go through or the struggles we go through. It's always to redeem and reconcile ourselves and to speak that into other people. So back in 2017, while I was teaching, there was one night, it was one of those exciting and dreaded school carnivals, you know, where you got the cakewalk and all that kind of stuff. And I had noticed that my lower back was pretty sore. And I thought, well, you know, it's April. I'm a teacher. I have young kids. Of course, I'm, you know, getting older, whatever. Well, that night when I went home, I did the simple act of bending over to pick up a plate and I tore L4 and L5 in opposite directions. And so what that meant was that I needed spinal fusion surgery. So I managed to get through the rest of the school year and a lot of pain, but kind of pushed through that to where then in June of that year, right after school got out, I had a metal cage put in between L4 and L5 in my lower spine with two rods and six screws to hold my spine together. Did all the rehab and the pain that came along with that. So for six weeks, I was flat on my back with my family, you know, you know, cleaning the incision and learning how to walk again and not knowing if I'd, I was a runner at the time, not knowing if I'd ever even run again. Right. So a lot of mental pain was associated with that physical pain. I'm very thankful for it because it's where I finally started to listening to the call God really had on my life that I had been pushing away for years going, no, I'm supposed to be a teacher. I'm not supposed to be in ministry. No, you know, I just kept fighting that. So I was already in this place where I was worried about going back to school if that was really where I was supposed to be. But rehabbed all summer long, started school with a back brace and a cane, eventually got all out of that. And about three weeks after I had the all clear and everything was good, I was attacked by a student in my classroom. And the state, yeah, and sustained a permanent injury where my sciatic nerve on the right side is not in the channel where it's supposed to be. And there's no way to fix that. So I have constant nerve pain that runs from my spine all the way down the right side to my toes. So what that meant was I could walk for about an hour and a half to two hours a day before I'd start falling because I could no longer feel my leg. It would just go numb because of pain. So did lots and lots of different strategies. I, you know, I've tried anything from acupuncture to all kinds of injections and stuff, but wound up finishing that school year out of grit and probably stupidity, <laughs> causing more damage to myself. But responsibility is probably one of my key strengths and I wasn't going to let people down, but realized that I could not enter another school year being what my students deserved or what my family deserved. And that would be a healthy person that could function from eight to five. So wound up leaving teaching with not knowing exactly what I was going to do, knowing that the fear of not knowing if we'd be able to make it as a family (laughs) financially, what it would do to my kids, all those things, but knew that something different had to happen. So left teaching, wound up then being accepted into a thing at Cedar Rapids Pain Associates, which is basically where they do a lot of different pain modalities and luckily qualified for something called a spinal cord stimulator. So I have that implanted in my spine. 
every seven years for the rest of my life, I'll have to go in and have that replaced. Basically, it's like a, if any of you have ever had a TENS unit, that stimulates nerves to try to manage pain. It's that, but it runs constantly 24 seven from the waist down. I have nerve stimulation to cut the pain. I still have pain every day, but it's manageable most times. So, so it's given me my life back. I can run again when I'm healthy. I'm in a season right now, summers tend to be, I push through a school year or a ministry year, and then I feel the pain of what I put my body through. So just last week, I threw 22 injections to try to get the pain under control and but this is my life. I live in constant pain and I'm grateful for it. And this was in 2017. So mm-hmm. this you're in your sixth year yeah. or so yeah. of yeah. managing so, this. What yeah. would you say your pain has taught you? It's taught me how to dig deep for resilience. It's taught me how to ask for help, which for somebody that's a planner and highly responsible, it it was a real humbling experience for me to have to ask for simple things like to put my socks on or that, I, yes, I do need help getting meals for my family or even in seasons like last week when I had to have these injections that, no, I need to take a half day off work. I can't push through this. So it's taught me what my limits and boundaries are. It's taught me to appreciate how blessed I am with the family and friends I have that step up for me when I need it. Early on in this journey, I suffered from a lot of guilt of feeling like I was a horrible mom because I'd have to rest and take naps. That was never who I was or that I couldn't do this, you know, necessary activity with them. But I've learned that through my pain and the grace I can give myself, I can teach my kids that it's okay to do that for yourself. That was nothing I had an understanding of before. And in my job now where I do care ministry and meet with people in seasons of grief or all other kinds of suffering, I can meet them where they're at and listen and help them process and ask questions that get them to understand the grace and love that they've been given that they can give themselves. Well, because I imagine, I I know I am a cyclist and I, mm-hmm. when I, I always say, you're not a cyclist unless you've broken ribs and you know, <laughs> broken your wrists and breaking your collarbone is a real common one. And what Mm -hmm. I see when people get hurt, myself included, it almost comes with a depression because you can't do all these things and you're stuck. And this isn't how this season was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be, you know, Mm -hmm. being active and doing fun stuff with my kids and going on vacation, whatever it disrupts. And so I'm curious, I heard you talk about, you know, this guilt that you for a period. How did you, how do you not get in that hole, that depressed part? How have you, what, what Mm. has pulled you out? There was a time where you felt guilty. So there was some dark shadowy parts, but you didn't stay there. And I think I have seasons of that still. So in these seasons where once a year, I have to go through these series of really intense shots and injections, I do feel depressed. I do get angry and wrestle with God. Like I'm 43 years old. This is my life. Like there's no hope that this, you know, unless there's some miracle, you know, way to fix this in the future, this is just part of who my story is that I am a chronic pain sufferer. And so just this morning with my group of coworkers, when we spent time in prayer, I said, I need prayer right now. I mean, a lot of pain, but I need it more for my mental state. And so I think I've learned throughout these years to allow myself the space to feel it and to wrestle with God 
and ask those questions. Why me? Why can't it be fixed? Doing everything right. Why does it seem like I'm being punished? I have to allow myself to feel those feels. I like to use that saying, we have to feel our feels. We can't shove them. And so allowing myself those seasons of being depressed or anxious or grieving the loss of what I wanted my life or my body to be like allows me then to appreciate all the moments that it's not like that. Um, And so I try to hold on to that. I'm a big journaler. So I like to write when I'm feeling both ways, celebrating the victory. So my son turned 19 last week and we were on a vacation and I whitewater rafted with him. I had a lot of pain and I'm paying for it now, but six years ago, I would have never thought it would be possible for me to have a family memory like that. And so I try to be grateful for the good times, allow myself to feel the hurt and the bad times. And I honestly view it as a gift from God when I have those moments of being down, because it reminds me I'm not supposed to do life or any of this alone, that the pain reminds me I need to ask for help. And whether that be help in the form of, you know, a muscle relaxer or some time off work, or maybe some time with my therapist to work through what my brain's telling me when my brain and heart don't connect. I'm just grateful for the good times and use that to fuel me, but allow myself the permission to not be okay. I feel like this is all like mic drop moments because it doesn't matter what your journey is for you. It's Mm -hmm. this pain. It can fill in the blank with whatever. I mean, you just gave a beautiful step-by-step that hasn't happened overnight, but that you continue to step through because I see you standing right now. At least it looks like I'm standing standing. at my desk at work. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. like watching you on the video too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so some of I just want to break it down because I don't want sure. people to miss this, right? Okay. Yeah. Because one the very first thing you said when I asked the question is, I am a chronic pain sufferer. Mm-hmm. And I think naming it, yeah. I am sad. Yeah. I am hurting. I am disappointed. And then really get in tune with that feeling. Like you said, wrestle with it mm-hmm. and allow yourself to feel all those feels. I think we are ashamed that we feel that way. We're mad. We're we're frustrated with ourselves. We're judging ourselves mm-hmm. for feeling a certain way. And what I hear you saying is, no, it just kind of neutrally yeah. wrestle with it mm-hmm. and feel it. Whether that probably includes some tears, some emotion, Absolutely. some yeah. punching of the uh, yelling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My go-to is playing really loud music in my car and screaming to it and just getting it out. Right. Because otherwise it just grows in me. So I have to physically get it out. I have to talk to people in my life that God's given me that can be my sounding board and validate my feelings and then come alongside and say, well, what do you need right now? Is it somebody to cry with you? Is it someone to take a walk with you? You know, what is it that you need right now to get through this season, to get to where it's not so hard? So very wise. When Mm -hmm. you said you get in your car, turn on loud music Mm -hmm. for me, it's playing loud music and it almost like wells up the tears and I do a lot of and I'm guessing you can't do this so I'm I'm really grateful that I can is that kind of forward fold like you would do in a yoga where I'm picturing like everything just dumping off my shoulders onto the ground or a twist of some sort on my yoga mat where I can kind of wring out my inner you know my organs and my innards I'm releasing that you can't do that I can't do that. (laughs) For me, it's a lot of walking. 
Yeah. Right. And that's also how I connect with, with God is being able to slow my life down enough to where I can hear. Cause I spend so much time pouring into other people and caring for other people, which I absolutely love. It's definitely how I thrive and, and, and challenged and all of that, but I very rarely will take enough time to be still. And so sometimes my pain is a catalyst for that. And I can, when I can recognize that and appreciate that as a way that God's saying, I've been telling you, slow down. Sometimes it takes my physical pain to do it in a way where I can really be like, oh, wow, when was the last time I really rested in him and took care of myself? Because I think like a lot of women who we, you know, and men for that example, when we're caregivers, we always come last and it, we should be first because how can we help others if we aren't coming from a place of rest? So, yeah, I hear you saying you fill your own cup mm-hmm. and with it for you, it's a lot of walking. Yeah. It's a lot of refreshing yes. yourself because yeah. then you're able to refresh and pay yeah. that forward with other Correct. people. Yeah. 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 I like that. You said, I grieve the loss of what it could have been or could be. And again, I feel like that is acknowledging that this is a big thing and it's not, you're, it's not like you should just be over this by now because it's been six years. It's not blaming yourself and shaming yourself or faulting anyone Mm -hmm. like, Oh, whoa, that just hit me when I said it faulting someone, because when you said a student attacked you. Yeah. It would be such a temptation to blame and yeah. to fault someone. How have you worked through that or what what could you speak yeah. to around that? Yeah. I think grief is the key word. I think so often we think grief is just when we've lost someone, but there are so many losses we go through in a day, let alone a season of life or whether it be friendships, whether it be jobs, whether it be your health, whether it actually be someone passes away and recognizing the stages that go along with that are the stages that many of us encounter every day of our life. And when you can put, like you said, names to that, like I'm having a day where I'm angry or I'm having a day where I'm sad, or I'm having a day where I'm trying to bargain and make this not be the way it is, that allows you to be present where you're at and move forward and not stay stuck in the past. I love when I talk in my season where I was working with youth a lot, I used to always try to get them to see the idea of that our windshield is way bigger than our rearview mirror for a reason. We need to embrace our past and what it taught us, but that's not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be looking to the front. We're supposed to be going forward, taking what we learned, but not letting us hold hold us hostage or have it chain us. And so I think that's what I have to do. I have to acknowledge what's in the past every once in a while, but I don't want to be someone that is angry. I want to be someone that can see the beauty in what's happened. There's a great worship song. And one of the lines is he makes beauty from ashes. And I hear that a lot that like some of the things I have gone through, whether it be this, I lost my dad 16 years ago, almost. I've had a lot of death in my family and it's kind of ironic. That's what I spend the majority of my time doing right now is grief counseling. And I would, like I said, I would go to that attack again and do it because I don't think I'd be here. It forced me out of what I thought my life was supposed to be to embrace what my call was and what my purpose was. Are there times I wish it didn't involve severe pain? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You're Absolutely. Like, I, I could have got the message with a little bit of pain. Exactly. Not a big amount of pain. Exactly. Or, you know, I thought at first it was just the original injury and the surgery. And I thought, well, I learned a lot from that. So then to have it happen again. And so it's just, it's taught me to 
ask other people good questions when they feel like they're in this spot in life where they keep getting tugged away they're not sure of. I can relate to that. I can relate to lots of different forms of grief. I can relate to chronic pain sufferers. I love visiting people in the hospital or hospice because I've had experiences with that medical stuff that had I not had that, I wouldn't be able to come alongside people in ministry like I do right now. So God doesn't waste our pain and he doesn't waste our experiences if we're willing to see it and then use that to equip us to help other people, which is what I feel like my calling is. So, well, and thank you for living it and taking yeah. action with it. So again, just to recap, really naming it, I mm -hmm. am this, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, and mm -hmm. then allow yourself to feel it, wrestle with it, grieve the loss mm -hmm. of it. And then I hear you saying, I use journaling mm -hmm. and your walks to mm -hmm. find the gratefulness, to yeah. find the good, even to the place where it feels like a gift. I talk a mm -hmm. lot about an emotional spiral and there's a line yeah. sort of in the middle and there's lots mm -hmm. of negative things at the bottom where it's like right. disappointed, angry, mm -hmm. mad, sad, all the things. Mm -hmm. And above the line is acceptance mm -hmm. and, you know, way up there is joy and gratitude. And that's what I mm -hmm. hear is yeah. you living a lot of your life up there and yet accepting that if at times you dip below the line. Mm -hmm. Having that anger, having that frustration, wondering why me, mm -hmm. you know, then you do the things that refresh you Correct. to then fill yourself back up. Yeah. And I think it's a mystery sometimes to unravel how as human beings, we can hold joy and extreme grief and pain at the same time. And I think once we really can wrestle with that and accept that, it's helped me a lot too. Like I can grieve where I'm at physically, but have a lot of joy still and find ways to do things differently to still, you know, do things. And things like rafting, whitewater rafting with my family can fuel me through some really painful days ahead of knowing I already had this stuff coming up. So it's that finding ways to, to cope, but embrace yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yes. So I've heard how you handle the past mm -hmm. where you were grateful it happened. It gave you some tools. Yeah. And then I hear how you handle the present. Like you mm -hmm. kind of allow yourself to feel all the things and you don't really judge yourself very present. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how you navigate the future because yeah. it's it's accepting that this is a constant, that there isn't going to, no one's coming to save you okay. and isn't going away. How do you handle just the, you know, navigating a future with constant yeah. pain? Yeah. I think that's a great question because it's something that does pop into my head every once in a while. Well, I, I'm thinking, well, you know, will some invention happen, right? Will this next implant that I get, will it last longer than seven years and give me more relief than the one I have now? I think I try not to focus on the future too much, but live in the moment yeah. because the future is way off and scary. And there's lots of things that I could spiral on to use your word. Like I'm the king of spiraling, you know, or queen of spiraling, right? Like I have to check myself of that. I just try to live in the the gratitude of the fact that at this point I've had as much relief as I have and the improvement I've seen. And that fuels me to know that I don't have to know what the future holds. I just have to trust that God's plan for me is good and it doesn't always feel good. And I don't always agree with it, but if I try to do it on my own or figure it out on myself, that's when I think I get most panicked when I try to rest in the fact that, I'm promised a good future, not without struggles or without suffering, but to know I'm never alone. 
And because of the way God's been so faithful by putting people in my life that are constantly also speaking that to me and praying over me and loving me in all phases of my journey of pain, uh, I just have hope. I guess that's how I face the future. It's I just have hope. Yeah. And the yeah. big word I just wrote down on my paper while you were talking is trust. Yeah. You yeah. trust and faith and hope kind of insert mm-hmm. the word that you like to use. Yeah. You're trusting God. You're yeah. trusting others that you have this good support group. And I yeah. hear you trusting yourself. Yes. That yeah. You've got this. And yeah. then I'm guessing also it's all about, that's why you do the work that you do yeah. so that you're not too focused on the yes. future and yourself is exactly. that you can kind of be others focused. Exactly. I use the the experiences I've been through with pain from physical pain or heart pain or any of that as a way to make it feel like it was worth something by speaking love and hope into other people and so that they don't feel alone. Because there were moments in my journey where I felt alone. And so I don't ever want someone else to feel that, right? And that was probably by my own doing when I tried to start fixing it on my own or got stuck in the grief of it instead of looking on the opposite side of the grief. And well, it could be worse or it could have played out differently that but this is what it is and I'm going to thrive and go forward and use it to fuel me instead of define who I am. So how do you handle the naysayers? Mm. I have people that say to me all the time, mm-hmm. you're so positive. Yeah. You're so smart. I even have a, a guy that I ride bikes with that's like, there's smiley Beth. I mean, anyway, yeah. it's a mocking. It's yeah. Um, but you know, people who just say you can't you can't be positive all the time. How do you mm-hmm. handle that, Alice? Yeah, I think that's definitely happened to me. And I've had it on both ends. Either people say, Wow, if you didn't have bad luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all. Or people say, why can you be happy when you're hurting all the time, right? So I think both ends of the spectrum, both motivate me and both hurt me, to be quite honest. I think what I like to constantly tell people is all I know how to be is myself. And so sometimes that's super positive and sometimes in a place where I can be completely honest and vulnerable and safe, I'm broken and I'm a mess and that's okay. And I know when I can do that, where I'm supported and safe and I can come back from that stronger than ever. And then I know there are places where I can't necessarily show that completely authentically um, because it won't be received in a way that's life-giving to me. So I've learned that by trial and error. (laughs) There are certain people I can trust everything with and be completely real with. And everybody I'd say is the majority of my close circle. And then there are other times I have to limit what I say for my own protection, not because I'm worried about how they're going to take what I'm saying, but because I know for me to thrive in how I'm wired and what my strengths are, I have to surround myself with people that see who I am, all of me, the complete part and the broken part and love me regardless. And that will cheer me on in all those stages and not judge me for it. And that will use that to help them in their faith walk or their life or their family because I am far, far from perfect. Uh, And I do many, many things wrong on a daily basis, but I've learned to acknowledge them and admit when I've made mistakes and and ask for help when I've needed it. And I think that's a sense of real power that I didn't have before I had so much pain because I I thought I could do it all on my own. (laughs) What I hear is authenticity. It's just, you know, you, Mm -hmm. and you pull back to uh, you know, keep yourself safe and not yep. put yourself. Also, 
I also hear you speaking loudly at times and you yep. say, I just get to be myself. Yeah. I'm a mess and that's okay. I feel mm-hmm. like at times when I'm often criticized for being over positive, I go quiet. Yeah. I go apologetic. Mm-hmm. I go, well, I start making, you know, light of it, poking fun. And I, it doesn't feel authentic. So thank you for giving what I would consider just a beautifully authentic mm-hmm. and not caring, unhooking from what other people think and yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. I think authentic is a word that I hold a lot of pride in because I'm pretty much an open book to the, you know, not always approval of my kids and my husband, but it's the only way I know how to be. But I think sometimes when I don't go completely all the way there or share everything, that's not me being authentic. It's me being authentic with a boundary to protect how God created me to be so open so that the naysayers don't change my willingness to be that if that makes sense, because it's so easy. I didn't really know this until I started working at a church is there's always people that are going to have judgment of you. And I have to know who those people are and still love them where they're at because they are God's children and all of that. But also know that those can't be the people that I'm completely me with because it's not life-giving, you know, to pick the people that are like, yeah, I agree. Life sucks sometimes. And yeah. you can love God and and have a bad day. And you can love God and need anxiety meds. And you can love God and need a therapist. That's just the beauty of life for me. Absolutely gorgeous, yeah. Ellis. How yeah. do people connect with you? If they're like, man, I yeah. align with this girl. Like, yeah. I want to hear more about more of her. What's the yeah. best way for people to connect? Yeah. So my favorite thing in the world to do is pray with people. I love people sending me prayer requests. I love meeting for coffee or wine or whatever and hearing people's stories and praying with them. So I would love it if you shared my email address. That's probably the easiest way. It's all lowercase a, my last name, Murray at faith-life.org. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and all those things, but there would, it's a very humbling, honoring experience to have someone asked to be prayed for. And to be invited in their life like that. And it's the thing I treasure the most about my role and my calling is that people invite me into the celebrations and most importantly, the hard, messy stuff of life. And that those things can't be fixed, but you can have somebody praying for you and sharing that love. So I would love to pray for anybody that needs a prayer or somebody that's experienced chronic pain that needs somebody to process with and be angry with and celebrate with. I would love that. All of the things. Yes. And I want to give you one of the final words here about Mm -hmm. if somebody is experiencing physical pain, which we know is way more, there's the mental pain there, there's, they're stuck in it. They're, they've set up camp there. It's been years. And and what words, any final words of encouragement speaking directly to them? Um, You are not your pain. You are not your current struggle. You are not any of those things. Uh, You were created on purpose with purpose. Uh, I live by the remembering who you are and whose you are and what God would say to us or whatever you believe in that's higher that speaks into your life is that you're a masterpiece, beautifully and wonderfully made. That includes scars, that includes physical pain, mental mental pain, all the things that we go through in life and your only identity is child of God. And that means you're redeemed and perfect and loved. And so it's easy to get stuck in those other labels, but just as easily as you didn't have that label before and you do now, all of that can go away. The one thing that can never be taken from you is that you 
are a son and daughter of the high king and he loves you. Period. Oh, you are not your pain. That no. is beautiful, Alice. And how I'd love to end our time together. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yes. Oh, and my pleasure. I would love to acknowledge you. So this no. is your opportunity to just <laughs> receive. And I know no. this probably does it feels awkward and abnormal. It does. My heart's racing like, oh no. <laughs> All you have to do is just be. I can do that. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Alice, I acknowledge you for being a giver with a gigantic heart, a heart for the Lord and willing to go into the messy of life to meet people where they're at. Alice, I acknowledge you for being an overcomer, not being where pain isn't who you are in the world. I acknowledge you for your light, your sunshine, your grace, your humility, your authenticity, your resilience shines way brighter than your pain. And I love you, friend. Oh, well, I love you. And this has been a great opportunity for me and praise God for how he takes brokenness and turns it into beauty and how we can come together in that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Stay tuned for the next Pain to Power podcast. So grateful you tuned in to another episode of Pain to Power podcast. Each month, I'm committed to bringing you juicy, raw, real life stories and shine a light on the women whose lives are often very messy And yet they dropped being a victim to their life circumstances and stood in victory in their thoughts and emotions. I love to inspire and motivate women to love their life. If you want to receive more inspiration, come play in my private Facebook group called Best Life Tribe for inspiration on the daily or join my email list for connections, strategies, and tips. Join at BethMottPass.com. I am a certified coach, trainer, and speaker. I lead inspiring private and small group workshops, resulting in authentic coaching in a vibrant community. I host personal and group retreats, as well as virtual gatherings designed to ignite your life and get you back to loving your life. Let's get social. Connect with me on Facebook at Beth Pass Coach or Instagram at Beth Pass or on LinkedIn at Beth Montpass.